We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you Listen, Watch, Discuss. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Listen, Watch, Discuss. As always, I'm your host, Brent Aiken. And on tonight's episode, I will be reviewing the uh, Marvel, the former Marvel Netflix series, uh, which is now on Disney+. Plus. Daredevil. Uh, I hope everyone had, uh, before I get into the review, I hope everyone had a great Christmas, great, even though Hanukkah was a, a couple weeks ago, hope everyone had a great Hanukkah, great Kwanzaa, great Boxing Day, you know, great last couple days uh, and week off if any of you have had like, if, have had the pleasure of having like the past week or so off. I hope you've had a great, uh, some great days off, great week or so off. And uh, I did. Got some good presents. Uh, I still have my Christmas tree and uh, lights up. <laughs> I usually just, because I put mine up like late November, uh, unlike some people who put theirs up like the day after Halloween, uh, I usually just like to wait until New Year's Day to take my stuff down. Because I'm like, okay, well, first day of the year, you know, because to me, I just see it. It's like, well, why not leave it up? Because there's only six more days until the year is over and there's only six days after Christmas until the year's over. So it's like at that point I've had it up for a little over a month and why not, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I still have my tree and, and lights and stuff up. I'll put them down. I'll take them down a couple days from now on New Year's day. But, uh, but yeah, it was a good Christmas. Uh, I actually had like, we had our Christmas Eve at my dad and stepmom's house. And then we went to my grandma's house for Christmas, uh, dinner, uh, on Christmas, Christmas day. And then I did something on the 26th for, we did our Christmas at my aunt and uncle's house with my mom. Uh, So I I kind of had three Christmases. Uh, Oh, and then also Christmas Eve uh, around lunch, I went to my mom, well, my mom's side of the family had something. So we did that. Uh, So I I, kind of did like, I had Christmas spread out between like four different parties and events, you know, over three days. But it was fun. I hope everyone has enjoyed the holidays uh, these past this past week, past couple weeks. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with that being said, uh, tonight's episode, as I mentioned a minute ago, will be on the Marvel series uh, Daredevil. Now, Daredevil, I had heard for a long time, ever since the the show came out, uh, how great the show was. Uh, much like the other shows, in its um, in its, uh, you know, series. I mean, like much like the other shows in its uh, grouping, not series. <laughs> much like the other shows in Daredevil's uh, group of um, uh, shows that like share the same continuity. Because the thing with the Marvel Netflix shows is that w- at the time when they were making the shows, the Marvel shows on Netflix, they did technically. Uh, share the same continuity with the movies in the MCU. Uh, for example, uh, they a few times throughout uh, the entirety of Daredevil, they make reference to the Battle of New York in the Avengers. You know, which was in 2012, and you know, uh, timeline-wise, the first season of Daredevil takes place or is supposed to take place in like 2015 when the first season premiered. Um, so it's kind of cool that they, even though they weren't part of the MCU yet, technically. 
they did technically take place in the MCU. They just couldn't really reference them in the uh, movies, you know, when the, when the MCU, you know, and the Infinity Saga was happening. They couldn't really reference these characters yet because they, uh, Disney didn't quite have the license for them and they were on Netflix, you know, which Disney doesn't own Netflix. So <laughs> all the Marvel shows on Netflix uh, kind of had to, they were in, they like I said, they were in the same world as, as you know, what was going on in the movies in the MCU, but they couldn't really reference like specific characters like, and, you know, specific characters like Iron Man, Captain America, the Guardians. I mean, you know, n- none of them were showing up you know, Doctor Strange, we never saw any of them pop up, even though, you know, most of the series, uh, in the, um, the street level heroes, uh, series, which I think is what the, the Marvel Netflix shows, uh, are called. Yeah. They're called like the, uh, the street level heroes, but yeah, even though they all take place, you know, within, uh, New York, we don't actually see them interacting with, uh, any of the people in the, uh, any of the characters we know and love from the actual MCU movies. But, uh, but it's still cool that despite their limitations, they did, you know, with that, with a couple lines, you know, they did firmly establish that, yes, this is in the same world as the movies. We just can't really have these characters interacting with those characters, you know? So I, I, I appreciated that, but thankfully ever since, uh, I mean, it kind of sucks on the one hand that all these shows were, kind of ended early or canceled. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, they, uh, were all canceled, you know, around 2018, 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. But like the last show that ended was Jessica Jones, which was like June of 2019. And then, uh, in, uh, March of 2022, all of the Netflix Marvel series were removed and added to Disney plus. And Disney regained the license for them in, which is when Disney regained the license for all of the shows. And in 2021, uh, they actually <clears throat> began to incorporate the characters from the Marvel Netflix series into the MCU. Like we actually got to see them. Uh, for example, and uh, <laughs> I know I haven't gotten into what Daredevil's about, but uh, I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Uh, but the actual. Uh, actors who played Daredevil and Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, showed up in, uh, have recently shown up in, uh, MCU projects. For example, you know, if you've seen Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, the third in the Spider-Man MCU movies, uh, he shows up, Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox's character Daredevil, Matt Murdock shows up in a scene where Peter is, you know, looking for a lawyer and, uh, you know, he has that quick little cameo. And even though I had never seen the show, uh, back at, you know, two years ago when No Way Home came out, I, I had, I was aware of the character and of the show. So when he popped up, I'm like, oh, Daredevil, you know, Matt Murdock. <laughs> uh, and so that was cool. And then, uh, Fisk, Wilson Fisk, uh, Kingpin shows up in, showed up in 2021 as well in Hawkeye. He shows up towards the end of Hawkeye and, he is actually going to also be showing up in Echo. Uh, and Echo was introduced in Hawkeye and their relationship, like their mentor, mentoree, uh, you know, father-daughter type relationship was introduced in Hawkeye. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see that going forward in Echo because, you know, uh, that should be 
the way they ended things was was crazy. And well, it's been a while. It's been well, actually, I guess it's been like two years since I watched the show, unless I watched it last year. But from from what I remember, yeah, um, Echo shot uh, Fisk in the eye, and we you know we thought it killed him, but then we saw an after credit scene where oh no, he didn't die. It just she just shot out his eye, but it didn't actually go through his head and, and kill him, the bullet. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious to see their relationship going forward ever since, you know, considering the last time we saw them, she shot him in the head and <laughs> blinded him uh, or partially blinded him. But uh, but yeah, so and, and then and also uh, not only that, but not only have they shown up in No Way Home and Hawkeye respect, respectively, and not, not only is Fisk going to be in Echo, like a main character in Echo, which is uh, premiering in like a week and a half, like January 9th. So it's coming up pretty soon. But it, uh, they are also going to be, uh, you know, Disney is also developing a continuation. It's not really a reboot. It's more of a continuation. Or, I mean, at least from what I remember, it is a continuation of uh, the uh, show Daredevil titled Daredevil Born Again. And I'm really looking forward to it because uh, I really did love this show. I thought it was great. Uh, and now I will get into what the show's about. <laughs> I realize I just spent nine minutes talking about the setup. I guess I could have talked about that after I talked about what the show was about. I could have talked about the inner workings and, and you know, what has happened, what what happened involving the show, you know, being canceled and then being continued on Disney Plus and the I guess I could have mentioned that after I mentioned what the show's about. But whatever, I'm going to talk about the the plot of the show now. So if if uh, any of you who have not seen Daredevil, uh one you're missing out. It's a great show. And two, oh and also I will be this will uh review will contain some spoilers regarding Daredevil. So if you haven't seen it, uh you know, pause the episode right now unless you want to hear my thoughts regardless of spoilers or or if you've already seen it then you can continue but if you don't want to be spoiled and you have not seen it then by all means or then wait sorry then then uh stop the episode yeah <laughs> uh but yeah for those of you who don't know what daredevil is about it uh was originally a uh, netflix series a marvel series on netflix and it was created by drew goddard uh based on the marvel comics character daredevil and it was the first of the Marvel Netflix series leading to the, you know, and, and eventually all the uh, series that were part of the Marvel Netflix series would cross over at some point. For example, uh, I'm star- I've am i started Jessica Jones two days ago. Like I finished Daredevil Thursday. I started Daredevil like the the 10th of, of this month and that like, uh, which was a Sunday. And then I just finished it this Thursday. And then, you know, like later that day, I started Jessica Jones and it's really good so far too. Uh, but for example, in Jessica Jones, uh, so far the guy who plays Luke Cage, Mike Coulter is, uh, a main character in her show. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Because I, you know, when I looked at the timeline kind of of everything and when the shows all were released, I saw that Luke Cage's show, which is just called Luke Cage came out the following year in 2016. And then, of course, there, you know, besides Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Daredevil, you've also got Iron Fist, The Punisher, and then the uh, crossover, the one-season crossover series, The De- the Defenders, where they were all five uh, of them teamed up. Or I'm assuming Frank, The Punisher, teamed up with the rest. But where, where all four or five uh, of the heroes teamed up to, you know, fight 
whatever villain they were fighting. I'm, I'm not sure who, but I, I plan on getting to the to the other shows at some point. But I figured I'd start with the two that had the most seasons, which of course those were those would have been, or those are uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and also two of the more popular ones because I'm like I've heard a lot of people say, oh Daredevil's the best, and then Jessica Jones, and then you know kind of listing the others, um from you know where they think that they they are you know like oh yeah these two are the best and then the rest are kind of uh good or okay or bad like i've heard some people just say oh iron fist is complete shit but you know i'll uh i'll see for myself when i get to it <laughs> but yeah so anyway back to the show yeah it was created by drew goddard uh and it's the first of the marvel netflix series and uh basically it stars uh, Charlie Cox plays the titular Daredevil, uh, AKA Matt Murdock. And by day he is a blind lawyer and he was blinded as a, at the age of nine, when a truck full of chem, when he pushed an old man out of the path of a truck full of chemicals, uh, barreling down the street and the chemicals blinded him. However, they also, because you know how people who are blinded, uh, or people who become blind, their other senses are enhanced. Well, in Matt's case, uh, his other senses, the, the chemicals that blinded him also enhanced his other senses uh, to, uh, well, not supernatural levels, but to super powered levels. Like he can, he can hear, he has like super hearing, super smell, like he can smell and hear, uh, you know, exceptionally well, you know, like super, super powered levels of, you know, uh, senses. And he can also like, you know, detect... And along with his super hearing, he can also, you know, like detect when someone's lying based on the, their, their heartbeat. Like if it's, it's, if it's, if their heartbeat's frenetic, then he kind of knows, oh, well, someone's lying. But if they're like very calm and their heartbeat's very, you know, subdued, he can tell, oh, they're telling, this person's telling the truth. And it's cool. Um, You know, I, I thought, I was like, oh, that's a cool power. And on top of that, he also has... He's also a very skilled um, martial artist. He trained uh, with this, who we meet later in the first season, but he was tra- he trained with this uh, blind martial artist, this older blind martial artist who is seemingly immortal, uh, named Stick. And uh, his f- kind of father-son relationship, mentor-mentoree relationship with him was very, uh, very interesting to see. <laughs> uh, very, not, not, Stick's not really the best person, but, you know, he did, teach Matt most everything he knows when it comes to fighting. So it it was neat to see that, that relationship play out. But, uh, but yeah, by, by day, he is a blind lawyer, uh, working with his, uh, friend and partner, Foggy Nelson, played by, uh, Eldon Henson, who, you know, I love, I love their dynamic. Their friendship is great. And, uh, in the first episode, their first client, uh, also becomes their secretary, uh, Karen Page, played by Deborah Ann uh, Wall, not Wall, but Wall, W O L L. Sorry, not. I was trying to make sure I pronounced that right. Yeah, De- Deborah Ann Wall, uh, and the three of them, you know, form. Well, I mean, when Karen joins, the firm is already formed, but uh, Foggy and Matt have formed, have uh, recently formed their own law firm, titled Nelson and Murdoch, and you know, uh, Karen. They represent her in the first episode for a murder she didn't commit that uh, her bosses at her former company, Union Allied, uh, committed. They, you know, got her drunk, 
basically what happened is they got her drunk uh, because she stole a file of some important information that uh, they needed. And it was to, it was to, like disguised as pension funds, even though the numbers were way too big to be pension funds. And they she went out for drinks with a, a coworker of hers uh, and they got drunk and they slipped something in her drink and then brought her to her apartment and killed uh, her coworker and framed her for the murder. So in the first episode, uh, Foggy and Matt, we see them taking on her as a client of theirs. And then by the end of the episode, uh, she is working for them as their as the secretary. And so the three, you know, first season is the three of them uh, learning about uh, slowly but surely finding out about uh, Wilson Fisk. And the show, the first season, they do a really great job at um, they do a really great job at building him up because in the first episode we don't even see him until like episode three. But in the first episode, the only thing we get of him is a uh, is a phone call between him and his right hand man uh, James Wesley, uh, who you know he he was a great character by the way. I loved what they did with him. He, his actor did a great job playing him. But yeah, so and then like uh, I believe it's episode two or episode three, uh, one of Fisk's like low level cronies, uh, like Matt is dressed up. He doesn't have the costume yet, but he's dressed in the uh, his black ski mask and black uh, black attire, uh, and he's basically confronting the guy and asking him for information about who his boss is, and he is so uh, he's so terrified of Fisk that he, he like they're, they're, uh, in an, in an alleyway and there's like a, there's a gate, there's like a gated little garden right there. And he, uh, in, well, it's not, it's not like a dirty, dangerous, but like, it's like a little well kept up alley. Uh, and there's like a little fenced off garden and he literally stabs his head through the spike of one of the, of one of the spikes on the gate and that I was like, oh, shit, when that happened, because, you know, it, it made me think like, yeah, this guy is literally terrified that if he if he says anything, even even so much as as his boss's name, not not just any information about his boss. But if he just gives him if he just gives Matt his name, he he was so terrified that, his, you know, Fisk was going to kill him. He's like, you know what? I'm going out on my own terms. I, I told you too much. I gotta, I gotta take myself out because if I don't, he's gonna make my death slow and painful. And uh, <laughs> it was like that. That caught me off guard. I'm like, oh damn. So, so they did a really fantastic job at building up Fisk to be this dangerous, terrible, villainous, threatening, you know, huge, you know, big giant monster. And uh, I'm, I'm not huge as in fat. I mean, he is kind of fat, but like he, he is like very bulky and like he's wide, broad shouldered and he's just this big, you know, uh, not buff, uh, bulky dude. And, you know, he just wears these like he's very fancy and proper, but he's, he, you know, you can tell that the slightest thing could set him off. And when you see and anytime he's in a scene with anyone. Uh, the whole time I was watching the show, I was just, especially in season three, I, I, cause, uh, in, he's not, uh, that involved in season two. I'll get to that in a minute. Why? But in seasons one and three, uh, he's, he's pretty much a main character. He's like the main villain of those two seasons. And I was very terrified 
most of the time when anyone was in a room with him, uh, especially whenever him and Matt crossed paths, because I felt like Matt wasn't going to die because he was the main character. You know, he's he's the titular character, Daredevil. But I was I was still worried that like he was going to get the shit beat out beaten out of him. Uh, anytime, and anytime Fisk, like, threatened him or Foggy, like, there's one scene in season two where he goes to visit him in prison, which, okay, I guess I did kind of just pretty much tell you what happened, why he's not in season two that much. Anyway, I'll get back to season one in a second, but yeah, there's a scene in season two where there, he's, uh, he went to visit Fisk in prison, and Fisk, he, you know, he, he threatens Vanessa in a way, uh, who is, uh, Fisk's fiance. And Fisk gets so pissed, he <laughs> he grabs Matt by his uh, uh, suit, and he he like picks him up, grabs him by his suit, pulls him across the table, and he basically tells him he's like, "Hey, look, these these cops in this jail and my lawyer, they'll cut their tons out before, um, you know, like they're so loyal to me, they'll cut their tons before they talk on any on anything that I've done." So I, I can pretty much do anything I want and I, you know, I'm free of, uh, any, you know, I'm, I'm free of any, uh, consequences because I have most of these cops and, you know, my lawyer on my payroll and, you know, he just thinks he's hot shit. He's like, I can get away with anything because I'm rich and successful. And even though I'm in prison now, you just wait. Cause when I get out, I'm coming for your ass. <laughs> I'm coming for foggy too. And, uh, it was just a very intense scene and like Matt does his best to just like remain, like keep his composure or remain calm. But you can tell like uh, that just made his blood boil and to, you know, Matt was like, I'm gonna, I am going to kill you when you get out. You are not, if you get out, I I'm coming for your ass, you know? Uh, but yeah, so, so season one, you know, is, is very, is very great like and what i think's cool is it's kind of an origin story in a way for matt becoming daredevil because technically he already is daredevil but he doesn't have the name or the costume but he he does ha- he, i mean you know he does have his powers of you know super heightened senses and you know uh his uh, martial arts skills but like i said he's wearing a black ski mask and you know black fitting like dark clothes so, you know, he, so he does, you know, he is concealing his identity. He does have his powers, but he doesn't have the costume or the name yet. And it's not until the end of the season. It's not until the season finale, episode 13, when we get, uh, when we get that. And I loved seeing him because pretty much he goes to Fisk's, uh, um, one of Fisk's guys and who, who makes like his bulletproof suits and stuff like that. And so he, uh, Melvin, who I loved what they did with Melvin, uh, <laughs> but he goes to Melvin and he pretty much befriends Melvin, but Matt goes to him and gets the suit or has him make a suit and he gets it in the finale and it's the red, you know, red and black, uh, daredevil suit, you know, his, his costume with the, with the mask, with the horns on the top and the eye holes carved out into it. And, uh, and the, the suit's awesome. You know, it was great. And then at the end of the, at the end of the finale, uh, the newspapers got report of Matt, uh, you know, beating the shit out of Fisk and, and finally sending him to prison. And they're, they're like, Oh, well, instead of the devil of hell's kitchen, everyone, you know, the newspapers, like Karen's reading the headline in the newspaper. She's like, Oh yeah. Instead of the devil of hell's kitchen, they're calling 
this masked vigilante. They're calling the hero uh, Daredevil. And Matt just decides to go along with it. So I thought it was cool that he didn't come up with his own superhero nickname. He just decided to um, he just decided to uh, take his uh, he just decided to roll with what the tabloids and the newspapers were going with. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so season one uh, was fantastic. Uh, I loved seeing pretty much by the end of the season, like Fisk uh, in the first episode, we see. Like I said, we don't see uh, Fisk until episode three. But in episode one, we do get to meet all of his associates. Like, all of his higher-up associates meet up in this, like, abandoned kind of warehouse building. Uh, Or it was, like, on the roof of, like, this kind of just abandoned building in a way. But, you know, they're all meeting up. Uh, There's uh, Nobu, Gal... The Russian brothers, Vladimir and Anatoly, uh, Leland, who's like his financial advisor, accountant, and then his right-hand man, Wesley. So they all meet up, and I just loved the dynamic between them all because, you know, it's all kind of, you know, they're all kind of in agreement with each other, but some more than others are like, why can't, you know, <laughs> like the, like the the Russians... Uh, like Leland's just like, let's just get this shit done with and get out of here. And then you got Vladimir and Anatoly who are, you know, complaining to Wesley. He's like, Hey, we don't talk with, uh, with the lapdog of our boss. We want to talk to him directly. And Wesley's just trying to, you know, keep the situation from, I mean, everything's fine, but like, you know, with Vladimir and Anatoly kind of getting up in his business, he's trying to keep the situation from, from imploding in on itself. You know, he's like, Hey, look. He can't, you know, come to the meeting right now, but he sent me, you know, everyone just chill out. Uh, don't make this any more complicated than it needs to be. Everything's good. Uh, and, you know, they called the meeting pretty much to let everyone know that, oh, yeah, by the way, this vigilante in a mask, in, in a black mask, uh, beat the shit out of some of our men last night when they were trying to traffic some some women, when they were trying to because uh, the the Russians had this like have this human trafficking ring and in the in the beginning of the first episode we see Matt beat the shit out of them and so Vladimir was like hey what are we going to do about this dude and Wesley's like that's fine we'll take care of it uh so that was cool seeing them all meet up and and what's funny is that pretty much by the end of the season uh Fisk ends up either directly indirectly he either ends up indirectly or directly killing them or driving them to the point where they're like you know what I don't want to die. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, and Gal is, like, the smartest one because she, uh, her and Leland meet up in, like, episode 11 on the rooftop, and they're like, yeah, uh, we poisoned him. We tried to poison him. We poisoned his uh, girlfriend, Vanessa. I don't think he's going to if – he, if, if, if he finds out it was us, he's going to kill us. And Gal's like, yeah, that's why I'm leaving. <laughs> and Leland – like an idiot, decides to stay, and he tries to blackmail Fisk into letting him walk, like, leave New York with his son. That doesn't end well. He ends up killing him. And uh, and so pretty much everyone, all of Fisk's, like, top earners and, like, higher-level associates, he either directly kills because they're going to betray him, he indirectly kills them, uh, or he drives them to the point of leaving like gal, like, again, she was the smartest one because she left, you know, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, so that was great, season, yeah, season one was great, um, and, and Wesley, uh, he ends up, 
uh, like I said, the actor who played Wesley was great. Uh, I'm not sure what his uh, actor's name was, but he did a, I believe it was Bob, uh, was it Bob Gunton? Let me look, because I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. Let me check. Oh, wait, no, he was Leland. Okay, uh, sorry, let me look real quick just to make sure who it was. Uh, was it Toby? Yes, okay, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I didn't I didn't screw up the, the, the name of the actor. Yeah, so Toby Le- Leonard Moore played Wesley. Uh, he did a great job, and I really loved his final episode because in episode uh, 11... Uh, he, uh, finds out that Karen is, uh, trying to dig up dirt, you know, is, 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 you know, it part of the, uh, people that are trying to take, uh, Fisk and, you know, his whole operation down. So he ends up kidnapping her, uh, while she's trying to, uh, like she's, she's trying to, um, uh, she's like right outside her apartment trying to get in. He, uh, chloroforms her, kidnaps her, takes her to this abandoned warehouse, and he pretty much threatens her at gunpoint, saying, hey, look, you're going to take back everything you said about, uh, Fisk's company, you know, Union Allied, and you're also going to come work for us. Uh, and if you don't, we're going to not just kill you, we're going to kill everyone you know and love first, so you can watch them die, and then we're going to kill you. And so, uh, <laughs> and what I loved about this moment, Wesley's final moment, is that he was, he's the right-hand man to Fisk. He, got, he gets so cocky in this moment because he thinks that there's no way Karen's going to shoot him. Because he's like, oh, well, Karen's terrified. I think I've, I've pretty much gotten my message across. And not only did Wesley screw up by getting too cocky and assuming Karen wouldn't shoot him and grab the gun and shoot him, but he also got cocky in not telling Fisk where he went. Because at the at the time that Wesley was interrogating Karen, Fisk was in the hospital with Vanessa because Leland and Gal poisoned her at uh, at this uh, gala like that New York was having, like a charity ball. I think it was like a charity ball or something. But yeah, they were, uh, and you know they 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 felt that Fisk was Vanessa was a distraction to Fisk, so they're like, oh okay, well we'll just poison her, take her out. Um, and then Fisk will be back on track. We'll get the old. We'll get our old boss back. And uh, so Wesley doesn't want to disturb Fisk with the, you know this information. He doesn't want to bother him. So he's like, okay, look. And he told he he only he he didn't tell anyone where he went. He didn't tell Fisk. He didn't tell uh, any of his bodyguards. He just said, hey, look, I'll be back in a little bit. I gotta go deal with something. And then you know <laughs> he gets the call from from Fisk. Uh, and Karen grabs his gun, and at first he's like, "You're not gonna shoot me." And then, you know, it's like, "Oh, um, will she?" And and but then she un- unloads the gun on him, like shoots him like seven times, and leaves, throws the gun in the river, and just leaves. And I was like, "Oh shit!" Like they caught me off guard because I I I wasn't expecting Karen to actually go through with it, but I loved that she did go through with it, and she struggles with it throughout the show, and eventually she does tell Matt and Foggy that she killed Wesley. Uh, and she also tells Fisk <laughs> that she killed him, but it was just crazy to see that because I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting it caught me off guard, but I was like, I was like clapping. I was like, hell yeah, get his ass, Karen. You know, I was just like cheering her on. Uh, 
I was like, yeah, you, you tell him, you know, stand up for yourself. And, and, you know, I, and she struggles with it. Cause it's like, yeah, naturally anyone would struggle with killing someone and struggle with the aftermath of it, but it was self-defense. So, you know, I, I, you know, on the one hand, I get why she was struggling with it, but on the other hand, I'm like, well, he did threaten to kill you after he killed everyone you cared about. And, you know, uh, and he did threaten you to take, take back everything you said about Fisk and come work for them. And if not, you know, he was going to kill everyone you loved and then you afterwards. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was pretty much Wesley had to go, but his final episode is great. And yeah, he was, he was pretty much a main character in season one, but yeah, he, he did great and I loved his performance, but yeah, so Fisk pretty much, you know, like I said, no one really knows his name until he comes out to the public. And, you know, this is after like he meets, uh, this art, uh, museum, like she's the owner of this art museum, uh, Vanessa, and he falls in love with her and uh, with her support, he decides to come out to the people of New York and the people of Hell's Kitchen and say, hey, look, I uh, have kind of been uh, hidden myself from the, the view of the public, but I want everyone to know that I hate all the crime and corruption in this city as much as you do. And I've lived in this city my whole life. I want to change things for the better. So, you know, I'm going to do just that. And uh, <laughs> and this complicates matters with uh, Matt and and him because they're trying to you know write you know they're they're trying to find any way they can to brain fisk down and show uh everyone in hill's kitchen what a monster he is and the fact that he's behind most of the like he like he's just as corrupt and criminal as the criminals that he's bad-mouthing you know like he's behind most of the criminal activity in hill's kitchen and uh and yeah, I just, I loved the, you know, how the first season played out and the big win, like it was so satisfying when they finally got him in jail, when they finally put him away in prison in season one or at the end of season one. And when Matt was in the full daredevil costume, beating the shit out of him in the alleyway, I was like, yes, you know, and, and yeah, season one was fantastic. Uh, I loved, you know, the, uh, all the characters and what they did with, uh, you know, Matt and Foggy and Karen's friendship. I, I loved their friendship. And yeah, and it was great. And then season two, uh, because Kingpin's or Fisk is in jail for most of the season, we see him in like two or three episodes. But in season two, we get uh, more backstory on Matt. We find out about, you know, he had this girlfriend, uh, former girlfriend in college, Electra. Uh, Stick comes back, and we find out that Stick and Electra were also had a mentor mentoree relationship. Uh, where he trained her too, uh, as a young kid. And I mean, not when he was young, but when she was young. And we also, uh, one of, uh, Fisk's, uh, associates, Nobu comes back and he's like, uh, in charge of this secret organization, this secret evil society, this organization called the hand, uh, these like, uh, secret ninjas. And, you know, they're kind of the villains for part of the season. And then, we also get uh, this story with uh, the Punisher, Frank Castle, who is this uh, former, uh, he is this former uh, soldier in the military, and he is, uh, he's pretty much, <clears throat> he has pretty much uh, lost his uh, wife and children 
in this uh, kind of like drug deal gone wrong. And uh, or they, they were gunned down in a carousel earlier by members of um, of this gang, like this this kind of gang war uh, meetup that that went wrong. And yeah, they they were, and it was a place that he always used to go with his family. And you know, it's we don't find that out until like episode three or four. But but yeah, the the second season when we're first introduced to Frank, it's. Uh, he has the exact opposite view of uh of beating up bad guys as Matt does to you know and and like taking them down cuz Matt's whole cuz you know it it kind of conflicts with his faith uh cuz Matt's catholic but Matt says look hey i i make sure the bad guys get arrested i beat the shit out of them and stop them from what they're doing but Frank sees it as oh well if you do that they're just going to be out on parole in a week like they're going to be out on the streets in a week on parole uh back up to the same criminal shit they were doing before you beat the shit out of them and arrested them what i do i make sure all these assholes stay dead like that you know so so every everyone every bad guy he runs into he's like no i'm just murder the son of sons of bitches you know and uh and their their dynamic was great to see play out and you know seeing uh Matt Foggy and Karen take on his case uh in in court that was a really great episode that that was cool to see uh i loved the development of uh Karen bonds with uh Frank across the season and Frank i kind of sees like his wife and maybe daughter in Karen as well because he claims you know he's like hey just get out of here get away i'm dangerous but every time like she follows him and like he's in immediate danger. He does protect her and he, you know, it's clear that he does care about her and sees her kind of as like his wife or daughter in a way. Uh, and you know, because he has someone that cares about him after the traumatic event, you know, of that he went through of losing his family. He's like, Oh, I, I have met someone that cares about me and wants to see me through this, you know, traumatic PTSD the you know the PTSD that I'm having of you know my family being murdered in front of me <laughs> and uh, and yeah that was great and I loved the I think it was in the first episode but it was one of the first episodes in season two where uh, we see Frank go into a pawn shop to get some weapons to get some guns and the pawn shop owner uh, <laughs> the pawn shop owner uh, Frank's Frank's leaving. And the owner decides to uh, suggest, "Hey, he's like, uh, you, you in the mood? You in the mood? Uh, sorry, you in the mood for some porn?" And he's, you know, he suggests like some different categories of porn, different genres. And then he, and then he lists off. He's like, "Hey, what about underage porn? I've got one where this girl's barely twelve, guaranteed." And Frank says nothing. He drops his bag of weapons. He he walks to the door. He's like almost. He's almost out of the store. He drops his bag he turns the open sign to closed and then he grabs a bat and just walks over to the pawn shop owner and just bashes his head and kills him. And, you know, at first you think it's like, Oh, well, Frank may be a psychopathic murderer because, you know, this is our first, this, that that's kind of our first impressions of him is that, Oh, he's just murders without really care or fear of the consequences. But, you know, when we find out that, Oh, he's murdering the people who, had a hand in murdering his family. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And, and you know, you, you sympathize with him, even though he is 
kind of psychotic and kind of, you know, fucked up from the, the PTSD of, you know, going to war and, and murder, having, losing his family shortly after returning, you know? And, um, but you know, at first, when you, upon first glance, when you see that scene, you think that, oh, he's doing that because, well, he may be a psychopathic murderer. Again, first impressions. You're like, oh, he may be a psychopathic murderer, but he draws the line at pedophilia. You know, he draws the line at child pornography. But but then when you find out that he had a family, including a daughter who was around that age, like who was, who was like 12 or 13, uh, then it it become, it adds an extra layer to to that whole scene because it's like, oh, he took that even more personally because he used to have a daughter that was around that age. And just the fact that this this guy was being a creepy, perverted sicko uh, and suggesting child porn to him, like he wanted to buy that when he had a daughter around that age. is like, oh, okay, so that adds even more to him bashing his head in with a bat. Like that it adds even more to that scene and, and his murder uh, or him murdering that guy. Uh, but yeah, so that was great. Season two was great. Um, and the potential romance that Matt and Karen had followed immediately because they, they go out in like episode four and then only to have uh, Electra show back up in his apartment at the end of episode four and Matt kind of rekindling his romance with her only for her to end up dying at the at, by the hands of the hand in the season two finale was crazy to see. Um, but then... It's funny because they they establish that oh the hand has her body and they put her in like this uh, tomb and because the hand uh, like the members of the hand are immortal or they can regenerate like they can bring the dead back to life it's like oh are they gonna bring her back and we don't see what happens in season three but I'm assuming maybe that I'm uh, wrong with the timeline I'm not wrong with the timeline but maybe I don't have the order of the timeline right because um. I feel like uh, there was something maybe I missed in the Defenders uh, about, you know, Elektra coming back. Or maybe there was something that happened in one of the other shows. So so maybe I should have, like, followed... Maybe there was a certain order I was supposed to follow. But I'm sure eventually, you know, when I go through the shows, I'll get to what happened in... You know, what happened with Elektra uh, and if she was brought back or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do plan on watching the rest of the shows, too. But, you know, at some point, eventually, I'll, I'll find out what happened with her. But uh, season three is where things really, uh, you know, really go. I mean, to me, Daredevil, it was a show that got better with each season. And I know that I say that a lot about a lot of shows. And that's because, to me, there are a lot of shows where I do think that. Uh, again, maybe it's just me being biased because I, I, there are a lot of shows I love. But I do legitimately think that this show got better with each season. And season three was the best of the show. Like, it was so intense and so filled with so many twists and turns. And, you know, the, some, the new characters they brought in added a bunch to the show. And just, yeah, so intense and so brutal. And it made me hate Kingpin even more. It, there was one thing that happened one death that happened in season three that made me go like, I was like, oh, fuck you. Like I, <laughs> like I yelled that at the TV. I'm like, you bald, big, you big bald bitch. Like, you know, like I was just, I was pissed off at, at Fisk um, for, I won't say who, but uh, the murder of this, this one woman uh, like halfway through the season. I was like, man, that was unnecessary. Although 
to for his plan to work out the way it did, she did kind of have to go. So I get why he did it, but I was still pissed off because she didn't do anything. She had no idea any of this shit was going on, and and she ended up getting caught in the crosshairs of Fisk's, you know, plan to to you know be released from prison and come back on top of the, you know, uh, be released and and you know rule the criminal underworld of Hell's Kitchen, you know. But yeah, so season three, like I said, uh, there's like two episodes where Fisk we see Fisk in season two. And that's when uh, Frank ends up going to prison and running into Fisk and uh, and then Matt and and I won't say exactly everything that happens there, but he he encounter uh, Frank encounters Fisk when he gets sent to prison, and then when he escapes, you know, uh, yeah, and then we and then he escapes like the next episode, and then we see Matt go to visit Fisk in prison. So yeah, he's only in like two episodes in season two, so he kind of takes a back seat in in season two, but then season three he is like the main villain again. Uh, along with another edition, uh, who's really great too. But, uh, but yeah, in season three, Fisk, uh, you know, teams up with the FBI to, um, rat, rat out the, uh, or to snitch on the Albanian, uh, crime syndicate, like the Albanian, uh, mob. And the FBI are like, oh, okay, well, if you cooperate, you know, we'll let you out or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you out of prison. And, just the Fisk's mind and the plan that he like thought out is so crazy because, uh, you know, I didn't even, I wasn't quite sure how it was all going to play out, but as it was playing out, uh, episode by episode, I'm like, man, this, this dude, and, and Matt says it in one episode, he's like, Fisk is like five or 10 steps ahead of us. And I was thinking that too. I'm like, man, this, this dude is playing 4d chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Like, (laughs) just the thought and detail the intricacies of his plan are is insane because uh he gets transferred from public you know the regular prison to a private prison which is pretty much just a penthouse in a hotel that he bought with his bank like he, like the bank that he that some of his associates work for bought the place and made sure that you know he would be sent there uh he pretty much gets all of his stuff mailed uh, sent to the penthouse. So he pretty much, you know, with the exception of the FBI agents, he's pretty much living like how he was before he went to jail, uh, including all of his furniture and shit. And it's in a different place, but it's, you know, pretty much set up the same way. And, um, and he's got a good chunk of like a, a good handful of FBI agents, uh, and his payroll, like working for him. And the one who, uh, uh, got Fisk to turn, uh, Ray Nadim, He's a new character introduced, uh, you know, a up and coming FBI agent, uh, loving husband and and father, uh, and he pretty much. Uh, I love what they do with his character in the season. He was great uh, because he is, you know, trying to use this. He's like, oh shit, this can boost my career. Like I was the I got Wilson Fisk to snitch on the you know this uh, gain the Albanian mob. You know, like I was like you know, he, he's like, oh, okay, this is like really doing wonders for, for my career here. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it's sad seeing that when he finds out that he was, that Fisk was playing him this whole time, like he wanted to be moved out of prison and like he, he was, had some of the agents on his payroll working for him, uh, was like, you know, it, it, you hate to see it. Cause like Ray was like, oh, I'm doing such a great job. You know, I'm, I'm making sure this piece of shit, 
you know, we're getting something out of him. Uh, and we're, you know, taking down some of these criminals that uh, we would never have gotten access to if it wasn't for Fisk's knowledge of them. And yeah, it was kind of sad to see when he finds out that, oh, how many of his fellow agents are like in cahoots with Fisk? Or how many are on his payroll? And uh, one of the agents that he manipulates the most is uh, Ben Poindexter, Agent Dex. And he uh, has a history of mental illness uh, that dates back to when he was a kid. We find out that he mur- murdered his uh, coach because uh, he took him out of the game for a little bit. He He's like, okay, well, let some of the other kids play. And he, mur- he ended up murdering his coach with a baseball, making it look like an accident. And uh, we find out, yeah, from a very young age, he was a very skilled marksman. So in his first scene at the end of episode two, when uh, the Albanians um, uh, find Fisk's uh, FBI motorcade, like, the, you know, the FBI are transferring him to his private prison, which is, again, is just the penthouse. Uh, the Albanians um, disrupt the motorcade and are about to kill Fisk. Uh, Fisk and Ray are like the only agents that make it out. But uh, Dex shows up and like like gets every single shot, and you know it was it was uh, interesting to see. It's like oh okay, who's this guy? And then we find out next episode. Oh, he's an FBI agent too. Um, and then we uh, and and what's and the first sign that something's up with Dex is in that same scene where there's these two Albanian dudes that. He's pretty much killed all the other Albanians that were trying to kill Fisk, like the little squadron of soldiers. And two of the two of the the last two guys put their guns down. They're like, no, no, don't shoot. We surrender. And Dex just shoots them anyway, like no hesitation. He's just like, nope, you got to go. And, you know, it's like, OK, well, I don't know if that's I mean, obviously they were trying to kill him, but like they surrendered and put their weapons down. I feel like you could have just arrested them. But, you know, <laughs> it's like that's a little concerning. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, Fisk like sinks his claws into Dex and manipulates him and uses him to do some horrific shit in season three. Like he has him dress up as uh daredevil in Matt's old costume and, uh, attack. Uh, cause at this point in season three, the Nelson and Murdoch has, have disbanded. They, uh, are foggy is working at, uh, um, I forgot the name of the law firm. It was Chow and Benowitz. Hogarth, Chow and Benowitz. I believe that's what it's called. And uh, yeah, he gets hired at the end of season two. So he's working there. Matt, uh, and again, I think this was something that happened in The Defenders, but a building, you know, he gets, uh, you know, building falls on him. Everyone thinks he's dead. So Matt is hiding out in the church that he grew up in when he was a kid, uh, living with the, you know, uh, living, yeah, living underneath the church. With this nun, Maggie, who's helping him, uh, guiding him, and along with the uh, pastor, the preacher, who is who is also kind of a father figure to him when his dad died when he was young. Uh, and because he, he used to live in the orphanage at the church. So he seeks refuge there for most of the season. And again, like season two, like season one, you know, at the end of season one, he gets this costume. Season two, he doesn't have it. Or season two, he ha- he has it and is wearing it all the time. And then in season three, he decides to just leave that part of himself behind and he, he dons the black ski mask and the black clothes again. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting that like we went from, you know, the black, you know, the black costume, you know, just the regular black clothes and the mask, then the costume. And then he decides to abandon it in season three and go back to, 
go back to basics. Uh, but yeah, and then Karen is working at uh, the Bulletin, uh, this uh, newspaper, uh, uh, the, the newspaper uh, organization. Why am I blanking on the word? Uh, she's working for this newspaper, the Bulletin. Yeah, this. Uh, <laughs> sorry, this newspaper organization. Anyway, and uh, and yeah, she's working with the boss of her, one of her former colleagues in season one, Ben Urich, who was a reporter there. And uh, when she was trying to di- when they when uh, her Foggy and Matt were trying to dig up dirt on Fisk, they were trying to uh, they used Ben's help because he was a reporter. It's like, oh, yeah, well, anything we find out, we can give to you and you can print and the truth about Fisk will be out there. Uh, so she yeah, she works for she ends up working as a reporter at the end of season two and season three. She's a reporter at the bulletin. And uh, yeah, so everyone. But, you know, slowly but surely. You know, even though Fo- yeah, Foggy and Karen think that Matt's dead after the building fell on him, a uh, few episodes, you know, a few episodes go by, but they, he, you know, tells them, hey, I'm alive. And by the end of the season, they have teamed up and are trying to take down Fisk. And uh, yeah, I loved seeing the, the group, you know, even though they, well, really Matt disbanded from the group. Karen and Foggy were still kind of you know, friends, like they still kept in touch, but like, because Matt wanted them to believe he was dead because he didn't want them to be put in any more danger. You know, he kind of distanced themselves, himself, himself from them by, you know, making them think he was dead and taking refuge in the church. And, uh, and yeah, I loved the, the whole season was great. Uh, Dex ends up killing Ray, which I was hoping like anytime, Dex and Ray were in a scene that that was kind of stressing me out because I'm like, I don't want Ray to die because he, he's a good guy uh, who just, you know, got uh, forced into aiding and abetting this criminal uh, and, you know, some and help and also aiding and abetting uh, some of his fellow FBI agents who also were either corrupted by Fisk or forced into working with Fisk. And it's like, oh, man, I feel bad for him. And then Dex ends up killing him in the second to last episode. And I was like, man, I was really hoping he'd make it out. But uh, but then in the final episode, Van- or well, actually it is episode 12, Vanessa comes back because she was uh, 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 she was over overseas. Uh, but but Vanessa comes back. Fisk invites, you know, pretty much everyone to the hotel, the penthouse, to have a, um, to celebrate his wedding with Vanessa because at the end of season one, before he got arrested, he proposed to Vanessa and now he's like, okay, well, since you're here, we can get married. And he, and you know, at this point, uh, the, you know, the episode culminates in a battle between, uh, Matt and Matt Fisk and, uh, Dex. And it's a great fight because, you know, Matt, uh, (laughs) well, Dex finds out that, Fisk killed someone that Dex loved in order to keep him uh, mentally unstable. And Dex is like, well, I'm going to kill Fisk. Or, and, I, and I'm not just going to kill Fisk. I'm going to kill his, the, the person he loves most. So we see him go after Vanessa. He's, and they're all in Fisk's uh, apartment. They're all in his penthouse. And they're, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, the fight is, because Dex is trying to kill Vanessa and Fisk. Matt's trying to kill Fisk because he's had it with him. He's like, look, I'm, I'm done. Um, he's got to go. He's trying to kill Fisk, but he's also trying to 
but he's he's also fighting Dex because he's trying to stop him from killing Vanessa because he's like, look, I my beef is with Fisk, not her, you know. And then Fisk is trying to kill both of them because they're trying to kill him, <laughs> and uh, and also Matt. And also, you could look at it as uh, Matt is trying to stop Dex from killing Fisk because he wants to kill Fisk himself. And uh, and yeah, that was an awesome fight. And it ends with Dex pretty much being paralyzed from the waist down uh, after Fisk slams him into the wall, like a brick section of the wall. And Matt is almost almost beats Fisk to death, but then he makes a deal with him and says, look, if you go back to prison, if you go to prison, I... Uh, and, and you stay away from any, he, he, he like looks at, well, obviously doesn't look him in the eye cause he's blind, but he takes off his mask and quote unquote looks at him, you know, like stares, <laughs> you know what I mean? At him, at his face. And he's like, look, this is me. If you come after me or my friends, Foggy and Karen, then I'm going to go after Vanessa. I'm going to kill her. If you try to kill them, I'm going to kill her. Uh, but if you go back to prison and keep your word that you won't harm the three of us, then I won't harm Vanessa. And so Fisk goes back to prison. Uh, Vanessa probably goes to prison, maybe just for a little bit, or we kind of see her being kind of detained too. Uh, but she doesn't really, obviously she doesn't get quite the big, as big of a sentence as Fisk does. Um, and then we, you know, so Fisk is arrested. Vanessa's at least detained, may, maybe at least brought in for questioning. And, uh, and fat, uh, fat, I was gonna say what, <laughs> and, uh, Matt, Foggy, and Karen decide to, uh, decide to start up the law firm again. They're like, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's, um, reopen, let's open back up for business. And, uh, and that's where the season ends. Oh, and then we get this cliffhanger of these surgeons, uh, cause Dex, you know, like I said, was paralyzed from the waist down. They're trying to fix him back to where he can walk again. And then we see uh mid surgery him uh wake up and his eye we see his eye open and there's a bullseye, like his pupil and iris make a bullseye. And I was like, oh shit, like is he is that like his villain name, Bullseye? Like is that is that uh in the comics, is that his villain name? But you know, because the show was canceled, we don't know. But hopefully they'll pick back up on that in Born Again. Uh we'll see. But uh, but yeah, there's a bunch more stuff that I could go over. But the acting from everyone is great. Like I said, Charlie Cox was great as Matt. Deborah Ann Wool was great as Karen. Eldon Henson was great as Foggy. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio killed it as Fisk. Uh, and every, everyone else that I didn't mention by name were fantastic. Uh, so so yeah, the the cast did a great job. the 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 theme song was great with the like the the red bleeding down and like like the red like the red blood ink bleeding down forming the city of New York and the building orchestral music. That was great. Uh, the story was great. I loved how it like, you know, pretty much got more and more, you know, tense with each season and the, the villains, not just Fisk, but also kind of Frank and the hand and Dex, they were all fantastic. Uh, and yeah, I loved seeing where we started to where we ended up. Like I loved seeing the journey that Matt Foggy and Karen went on. Um, and yeah, it was great to see. I loved it. Uh, and I can't wait for, I can't wait to see Echo. I haven't rewatched Hawkeye. I, I should probably rewatch Hawkeye before I see Echo, uh, just to refresh my memory, but I can't wait to see Echo. Uh, it'll be nice to see Echo and, and Fisk again, especially now having the context of having watched the entirety of Daredevil. 
and knowing what Fisk has done and what he's capable of. But yeah, I can't wait to see that next week or week and a half. And I can't wait for the uh, Disney Plus continuation, uh, Born Again. Uh, Oh yeah, also I forgot to mention, yeah, Matt was in a couple episodes of She-Hulk. So we did see him uh, in 2022 as well. Uh, And he was great in that too. I I thought Charlie Cox was great as Matt there too. Uh, But yeah, so I'm curious to see where we go from the ending of season three. Because like I said, season three had that cliffhanger with Dex waking up from in the middle of his surgery. And I wonder if we'll get, uh, if I wonder if the, the, uh, born again, the continuation will continue from around that, that point, you know, if we'll pick up right where we left off and, you know, we'll see, and we'll see Matt and Foggy and Karen opening the, the new law office and we'll see what Fisk is up to. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so looking forward to that and definitely looking forward to echo, uh, only a week away. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I guess that does it for tonight's episode. Uh, join me tomorrow uh, on the season seven finale where I'll be doing my top 10 movies of 2023 episode um, that I'll hopefully have that posted by tomorrow afternoon. And I'll try not to have it be too long of an episode, maybe maybe an hour. Uh, I say that it'll probably be like two hours again, like my <laughs> the one I did last year or the, was it 2022 or 2021? I'm not sure. One one of the ones, one of the top 10 lists I did ended up being like two hours. Uh, I think it was the one from last year. But anyway, uh, stay tuned for the season seven finale tomorrow, sometime tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and with that being said, I hope you all have a great night. Uh, I will see you tomorrow. And until then, take care.